I told the first service this morning that uh, shortly after Christmas, um, I settled into the book of Acts. And it seems like every time I turned around, uh, every time I was teaching a class, everything was leading me back to the book of Acts. And I'm not sure how God works, but it was certainly a sense that God was leading me to the book of Acts because there's a message there that he wants me to hear over and over again. Our youth group, I I hope they haven't gotten tired of us talking about the book of Acts, but uh, here we go again, guys. So some of this, y'all are going to go, I think I've heard that before. At least I hope you will say that. Um, But here we go again. If you would, please stand as we read out of Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. As I read this, I want to ask you to imagine what it might have been like to be a part of this community, uh, this fellowship uh, in the book of Acts. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And then in chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. May God bless the reading of his word. This is not a mission trip report. However, a lot of the things that we're going to talk about go hand in hand uh, with our mission trip. And so I'll refer to the mission um, on a number of occasions. But I, I would ask you to visit with some of those folks that were on the mission team and uh, let them tell you some of the stories and share some of the pictures with you. It was a great week. And now I'm going to tell you something that you're all going to agree with. I'm not real bright. <laughs> I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> uh, when, when Tommy said that he was going to be gone this week and we were talking about all that and he was saying he would like to fill in for me and I just said, sure, I'll do it. And then I looked at the date and I'm going to be gone all week, the week before on mission. And I'm not sure that was the brightest thing to do, uh, to put this uh, sermon preparation, everything on top of our mission trip, but, uh, and you will let, be able to let me know afterwards if it was an okay thing to do or not. But we did have a great week, and like, while I said this was not going to be a mission trip report, I do need to share with you some things about the mission because they are important to uh, the sermon this morning. Uh, this week, uh, the title of the sermon is Cottage Number 10. Um, This week, we took a group to Christ's Haven Home for Children in Keller, Texas. Um, Normally, uh, during the first week of June, we will take a group into Mexico and work in Mexico. Uh, We have done that beginning back in 1989-1990 and have gone every year until last year. uh, And with the violence and everything, we stepped out last year. We're making the plans for this year's trip, and uh, it just became very obvious Uh, that for whatever reason, that right now that door is closed. Um, I pray that the time will come that we can go back into Mexico, um, but right now that door is closed. Having said that, I believe that we were in exactly the right place in Keller, Texas this week. 
Um, Christ Haven Home for Children. Uh, Christ Haven Home for Children is a facility uh, that will have anywhere from 20 to possibly as many as 45, 48 children there at any one given time staying in homes with house parents. Those children come out of homes uh, where there has been some type of abuse. And those children come there and stay with the house parents and they raise them in a safe environment. That's the name Haven. Uh, a safe environment where they can grow. Uh, obviously, they, they learn of Jesus uh, and can just have a safe place uh, to grow, uh, to be who God has called them to be. Um, the team, we took last Sunday, uh, shortly after Bible class, um, we took a team of 30 individuals, um, went to Keller. Uh, 28 of those were from here, and we let a couple of renegades join us that are kind of attached to us. We let Casey Marler who now lives in uh, the Dallas area, and Taylor Robertson that lives in Wimberley. We allowed them to go with us. And, you know, we didn't get much work out of them, but they went with us. Actually, we did. They worked very hard. And so a team of 30. Um, we had our, our two interns, uh, Reed and Ariel, and then uh, some adults with me. We had uh, Jeff Powers, Laura Smith, and Michael O'Brien. Um, and so it was quite a team. We went to, to uh, Fort Worth. Um, the trip, we were, designed, we were designed to go down there and work uh, with the children, and we spent the mornings working in a VBS camp type setting uh, where we taught and did some drama and played games and crafts and all kinds of great things and had a good time with those kids. And in the afternoons, we did physical projects where we, were, uh, we built a sand volleyball court. We helped them restock their pantry, move a lot of things. They've got a new facility. We moved a lot of stuff over from their old administration building into their new facility. Um, and stayed very busy. In fact, they had, just a, a note to you guys, I got a, a contact from one of the men down there last night, and they had a full summer's worth of work planned, and they were going to have different people come in and work all summer, and, and no, I think we're the only group staying the whole week, but some groups had come in and work for an afternoon. And so they had a whole summer's worth of work designed uh, for this summer, and they're kind of scrambling right now because we got everything done that they wanted to get done all summer. We got done in one week. So um, let me tell you, these guys know how to work. Uh, I know you may not believe that when you get them home. I, I know it's different to work at home. Um, we're working on that. But they know how to work. And so that was what we did. The cottage. Cottage number 10. And this is where we begin to uh, drift over into the sermon this morning. There were 30 of us, and we lived in one house. I, that just made me nervous from the beginning. I was okay. I thought, you know, we're going to do great with the kids, and we'll work with them, and that'll all be wonderful. Um, we will, uh, you know, we'll get the work done. I knew these guys. I knew their work ethic, and, um, and so I knew we would get the work done. But if there was one thing that kind of made me twitch a little bit was the fact of putting 30 people into one house, living together for a week, having, cooking all of our meals, cleaning up the whole bit, I was a little nervous about that. And we had two wings. We had four bedrooms on one end uh, for the guys, and we had four bedrooms on the other end for the girls. Uh, each end had two bathrooms. In the middle, we had two living areas, um, a dining area and the kitchen. Um, and several of us claimed the two living areas. That's where we slept at night. Um, but everyone else back in the, the bedrooms. 
We shared our meals together there. Um, it was an interesting experience to say the least. Um, but I will tell you, uh, we didn't vote anybody off the island. Um, everyone, I think everyone came back pretty much in one piece. Uh, I don't know that we, there was really much in the way of anybody getting crossways with one another. Uh, just easy going, flexible, we, we'll do what needs to get done. Uh, and so I'm just, I want to lift up our mission team to you and say they represented not only Jesus very well, they represented this church very well, and you can be very proud of them. So we lived in community for a week, uh, and it was very tight community at times. Do you know we all long for community? There may be a few of us in here that say, you know, I'd rather just be off on a mountain by myself and not ever have to talk to anybody. But I don't, I don't think that's the norm. I think the norm is that we long for community. We long for people that we can share stories with, that we can share our lives with, that we can walk along beside one another with. I think that's one of the great things about Brady this morning and his baptism. God has given us some things that are unique to us that draw us into community. Baptism is a community event. It is about Brady making that decision, but it is about us as a community saying, we're with you. Not only will Jesus not ever leave you, but we're going to do our best not to leave you either. And so we live in a society that longs for community. Uh, if we could just talk about the different groups and organizations that you are a part of in here, uh, we would probably run out of time to list the different organizations in which you find community and fellowship. It's a unique, unique phenomenon that's come up just in the last several years, and that is online communities, social networking sites. Um, let me just throw some names out at you. Chris Hughes, Dust, Dustin Moskovitz, Eduardo Savin. Any of those names sound familiar to you? Maybe not. Maybe this one will. Mark Zuckerberg. Anybody got the name? Know who that is? He's the guy that created Facebook. Now, I'm going to just test you. And we did this. I was, I was pretty surprised this morning in the first service. How many of you have Facebook pages? Raise your hands here. Okay. How many of you are saying, what's Facebook? Okay, there are, there are a few of you. There are a few. Um, we will give, we'll give some folks a chance to explain that to you after a while. But it is, it, it's a, an incredible phenomenon. Do you realize there are 400 million users on Facebook? 400 million people find some sense of community just through Facebook alone. And it is just one of thousands of social networking sites. Now, whether you like Facebook or not, the reality is a lot of folks are plugging in and they're finding community there. The average user in the United States spends seven hours a month on Facebook. Some of you are going, wow, that's a lot of time. And some of you are going, I spend a lot more time than that. Uh, just, just as anybody in here, and it's okay, it's all right if you do. Anybody in here that you would say you spend more than seven hours a month probably on Facebook? I'm, I was figuring it would probably, this is where the heavy dose of that would be. Okay. 
That's a lot of time to spend on Facebook in this, I believe, in this drive to feel like you belong, in this desire for community. The church is built for community. Let's look at the book of Acts. Again, I want to go back and just look at these verses again. I want you to, to hear the things that are taking place in Acts chapter 2 and 4. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And I've got to stop here because in, in one of our youth group classes, I read the, some of these verses and I asked the students, tell me some things that were going on there that we've lost, that we've missed out on. And one of our students, Ben Heddock, you're here, there you are, right there, right in front. Ben Heddock says, we need more awe. And I said, what do you mean by that, Ben? He said, we need to be able to look at each other and be in awe of one another more often. Guys, I think that's, I think that's prophetic. That we need to know each other enough that we see God at work in one another and we sit back and go, wow, I wish I could be like that. I will tell you, I saw some of that in our team this week. We were in awe of one another uh, in the way that we worked and loved. Um, so, uh, let me go back. Uh, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They stayed together. They, they wanted to be together. And if they saw somebody hurting, first of all, they knew each other well enough to know if someone was hurting. I have a very strong suspicion. And I'm going to step back. It's not a suspicion. I know that in many cases, we in the church today do not even know one another well enough to know when somebody's hurting. And yet when we look at the first century in the book of Acts, they knew one another well enough that they were able to step in and help and assist and walk along beside uh, one another. And then Acts chapter 4, all the believers were one in heart and mind. They were so connected to who God is and what Christ was doing, that they weren't distracted by all the stuff of this world. Their focus was completely on Christ. They were one heart. They were one mind. They weren't going in 10,000 different directions. They were defined by their connection with Jesus. So just some things about the community uh, in Acts. They were a community of fellowship. Um, they were together regularly. They were together in different settings. They were together in big settings and small settings. They were a community of fellowship. They were a community of study. Uh, they were connected to the teachings of the apostles. They wanted to hear from the apostles. They were interested in what the apostles could share with them. They were interested in, in hearing the stories of Jesus and in telling the story of, stories of Jesus. Uh, they were a community of prayer. Uh, they did not miss out on opportunity to pray for one another and with one another. Um, you know, there was a time in our past where our midweek gatherings were called prayer gatherings, prayer meetings, because that's who we were. Have we lost something from the book of Acts? 
from the first century in the area of praying for one another and being connected to one another in prayer. They were a community of ministry. Uh, again, they saw when, one, when someone was hurting. If someone didn't have something, they said, how can we fix that and take care of them? If someone had a need and they couldn't fix it, they sold something that they had so that they could take care of it. Again, they knew each other intimately. They knew what was going on and they were able to respond uh, in ministry to one another and ministry to the community around them. They were a community of remembrance and remembrance in a couple of ways. They were a community that was committed to always remembering Jesus. There was nothing greater for them to remember, nothing greater for them to focus on than remembering Christ. We still have that opportunity every week when we come together to remember Jesus. And Jesus said, remember me. And they did that. But they also, when they came together, they were remembering their stories. They were remembering how their lives had been changed by Christ. And they were sharing those stories. And they were a community of joy. Uh, did they always get along? Probably not. Did we always get along every minute of the week uh, at Christ Haven? No, probably not. Um, I'm recalling Jacob's laugh on the last night. Any of y'all get irritated with Jacob's little... Yeah. Any of y'all get irritated with my wake-up calls? I got irritated with my wake-up calls. Now, did they always get along in the first century? No. You read down just a few chapters, and you're realizing that some people are feeling like they're being overlooked. And so they have to respond to that. And they responded in a Christ-like manner and took care of people. It, being a joyful community doesn't mean you always agree and you always get along, but your joy is based on on who he is and not who we are. Some markers of that community. The strength of their community was not found simply in meeting together. They weren't defined as a community just because they got together at the next appointed time. Y'all remember those prayers, don't you? It's one of the prayers I remember from when I was real little. Every, every Sunday... We had a prayer that, you know, we all come back together at the next appointed time. And it's great for us to gather together. But the strength of their community was not simply in the time they were together. The strength of our community is not simply when we're here. The strength of their community and the strength of our community will be when we are committed to one another and committed to Christ when we leave here, when we go out into the world, when we're at our workplace, we're in our homes, we're in the community. That's where the strength of our community lies, is when we live out Jesus out there and then come here to celebrate. Uh, the, their strength was in their shared identity and daily life. There was no question about it. And you look in the first century, they were defined by Jesus Christ. People looked at them and they knew who they were. They knew that their identity was wrapped up in Christ. You know, even when you look over just a few chapters, um, their identity is so well known. People around them are becoming so aware of this group of people who are meeting together and sharing together and going out into the world and living their lives and then coming back together. 
they become so well known and there is something so dynamic happening there that the people in the community begin to back away from them and they pass by at a distance and say, I don't want to get too close to those folks. If I get too close to these, those people, everything about me changes. How incredible would it be if our community looked at us and said, if we get too close to those folks from Johnson Street, everything about my life is going to change. But when you look at it, the, while the community was trying to keep them at an arm's distance and wanting to stay away, they couldn't help be drawn to them. In fact, it was so dynamic that there was something so dynamic happening there that the community would take their sick and they wanted to get just close enough so that just the shadow of Peter could cross over them and they would be healed. What an incredible thing to have a community that is so focused on Jesus and so committed to Him that people know if I get close enough to them, everything changes. Other marker of their community. When they came together, everybody knew it. There was a genuine, authentic worship that broke out among this fellowship of believers that nothing could contain it. When they came together and, and they began gathering and they began, this group begins telling their Jesus stories of how Christ is working in their life and of how God is changing their life and, and the lives of the people around them. And these people are coming together and say, you won't believe what's going on in my life. When all of these people begin gathering together, nothing would stop them from praising God. I will tell you, that when we allow this room, just this room, to be the sum total of our community, we have robbed the church of its power. The power in the church is when we live our lives, when we go out into this world and we say, God, I want to be your servant. Use me however, whenever you want to. I want to be yours. Do with me as you will. And we go out and live our lives like that. And then we come together here to celebrate not what we're doing, but what he's doing. The walls of this building will not contain our praise. And our community will look at us and say, what is going on there? And some will say, I don't want to get too close. And some will say, I can't get close enough. What about us? We cannot assume. We cannot assume that community will happen. There was a time when the church building was the center of the community and the bells rang and everybody knew where to go and what to do. Those days are over. Our world doesn't even know our stories anymore. When we talk about the stories of Jesus... A lot of the people in our world are saying, Jesus who? We cannot assume that Christian community will happen. We have got to be intentional about it. We have got to seek community. We as a church have got to find ways to allow community and nurture community. And finally, just what I said a minute ago, that we cannot limit the sum total of our community to right here. 
There are folks in this world who the first thing they did this morning was they got up and logged onto Facebook to see if they had a new friend. And there are folks who will live today playing Farmville and doing all those other things on Facebook, creating their little world. And the last thing they'll do tonight is sign off and they'll assess their day by their communication on a screen. That's not who we are. We have been called to be the living body of Jesus Christ in a broken world that is hungry for relationship. I'll go back to these guys. I didn't tell this story at first service. And we have to be careful about telling some of the stories of the kids because of confidentiality issues, but this is one that I can safely tell. There's a little girl there, um, seven or eight years old, um, who came from a very difficult situation, just like all these kids. She had been on a home visit a couple of, uh, last week and had to come in early because of uh, some abusive situations going on in the home. And, and she came back in and was immediately greeted by us. As we were getting, uh, as we were wrapping up um, the last morning, we're loading the bus. One of the house parents, one of the moms, comes to our group, pulls me out of our group, and in, in hearing of several of our students says, I've got to talk to you about what happened last night. And we had had a fiesta party celebration with the kids. That made me really nervous. And she pulled me aside and she said, I've got to tell you what happened. And she had sat down with, with this little girl that night. And they were talking through her day and through the week. And she was saying her prayers. And this little girl looked at her and said, this was the best week of my life. Because these guys were there. She said, this was the best week of my life. I haven't had to worry about my mom. I haven't had to worry about being safe. And she said, because of them and something that was said in one of our gatherings, she said, I know that my mom's going to be okay and I'm going to be okay because God's going to always be with me. Folks, we live in a world that is hungry for a fellowship that invites them in and says it's going to be okay. That's community. There's so much going on in the book of Acts. But you know what? God is not dead. God is alive and God is at work and God is doing those same incredible things even today. In just a minute, we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask our elders and our staff members that are here to go to the side. You're going to have an opportunity uh, to pray with them. I want to give you a couple of things to think about first. These are questions that we had in, on our trip this week. The first question is this. Where have you seen God at work this week? I believe when the first century church came together, they were ready to share where they had seen God at work. What about you? Where have you seen God at work this week? And secondly, where do you need God to work in the coming week?
in your life or in the lives of those around you, where do you want to ask God to work this coming week? Again, we're, we're about to have that time when we pray. And our tradition for a lot of times when I was growing up is that you come to the front. We try to do something different and we put our, our leaders to the side and ask you to go meet with them. I want to ask you to do something this morning. Take advantage of this opportunity. And, and maybe it's not to, to share uh, some deep struggle that you're having. If you have one and can share that with them, then we invite you to do that. But I would like for this morning to be a time where we kind of change some of our thinking. And we say that when we come together, we will tell the stories of Jesus. Not just the stories contained in this book, but the stories of Jesus at work today. And so when these leaders go to the side, I want to ask you to find one of them and share with them where you've seen God at work this week and share with them your request of how you need to see God at work in the coming week. We are blessed to be a part of this community. There are folks out there just waiting for that same blessing. Let's stand and sing.